I wanted to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Now they're doing testosterone tests where I find this really easy because it's uncomplicated. They can send it directly to your door. It's in discreet packaging. So nobody knows you can collect your sample. You get to review your results. And then from there, a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone and you get a prescription if you need. So what's really great about this is that you're able to check where your hormones are at. And I know for a lot of us out there, including women, it's really great to know where your testosterone levels are and for men as well. The first test that you get is your free testosterone. And that's the first biomarker that they test for. And why you want to know this is because your body uses it to produce sperm, maintain a healthy sex drive, maintain muscle strength and mass and produce red blood cells, which is absolutely important. So you guys check them out, get your testosterone checked, super easy. Don't have to go to the doctor. Plus we're quarantined right now. So you need to stay home. This is a really easy way to do it. Head over to www.trylgc.com slash wild love. I'll say that again for you. It's www.trylgc.com slash wild love. And you get to save 20% off. On this episode of True Sex and Wild Love, we have somebody that I have been following for quite some time. Her name is Tova Lee. And if you're not following her, check her out on Instagram. It's Tova underscore Lee because she makes you laugh and she's super educational. Like one of my favorite accounts that I follow. So, so excited to have her on the show. She's a writer, performer, and storyteller. And really, she's just completely open and vulnerable and super authentic about everything when it comes to open marriages, motherhood, writing her book, Fucked at 40. You guys will love, love, love this episode. Enjoy. Whitney Miller. Uh, Wednesday, Martin. (laughs) I'm I'm selfishly excited about our guest today and that (laughs) you and I are back in the driver's seat. I know, I know. I'm really excited too because I've been following her on Instagram for quite some time and I'm a little bit of a fangirl. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so am I. Tova, welcome to True Sex and Wild Love. We just can't wait to dig into your story, girl. I love the title of your podcast. It's like the best title you could possibly have for a podcast. I want it. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel good. like you are the perfect guest for that title because yeah. you talk about true sex and wild love. And that's like, you're just the most raw, authentic, and genuine person. I feel like oh. that's out there really talking about these things. And the oh, title well, you. of your book is talking about good titles. Like you like the title of our podcast, the title of Toa's book. Fucked at 40. <laughs> you had me at fucked. I knew you were going to love it so much, Wednesday. <laughs> I was like, Wednesday is going to be just obsessed with it. <laughs> totally. Well, that's a relief because usually I'm used to people kind of really go, oh, we can't say the title of your book. And people have made up every single title under the sun for this book. Fudged at 40, fuffed at 40, effed at 40. You know, just it's quite a relief to be able to say the title of my book for a change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say it loud and proud here, girl. Yeah, for sure. We're very NSFW and um, we're very pro just saying the title of your book. I'll say it again because I love it. Fucked at 40. All right. <laughs> tell, Toby, you have to tell us what went into this title and why did you write this book called Fucked at 40? What's the subtitle of your book, Tova? It's life beyond suburbia, monogamy, and stretch marks. (laughs) Living for this in 
interview. <laughs> oh God. Um, this, do you know what's funny though? The title weirdly, I mean, we had so many other working titles, uh, throughout the process and, uh, I was actually brainstorming one evening with my husband and, uh, we just thought we, I just said, let's just throw everything on a piece of paper, like just anything, you know, and it was like loads of other titles and my blog name and, you know, other things and whatever. And he just went, um, what about fucked at 40? Like my husband came up with it and he was like, what about fucked at 40? And I was like, oh, a funny haha joke. And he was like, no, 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 no. You know, cause like, you know, you're fucked at 40 and like the book is about fucking and stuff. So like, you know, it could be a, a sort of funny play on words. And I was like, oh, I'll just write it down. And then we left the list, came back to it a few weeks later. And I was like, I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Crossing out all the names. And that sort of name just stayed there on the list over and over again. In the end, I thought, this is like the perfect name for this book. Um, Didn't think about what it would mean about bookstores and stuff like that, but (laughs) I didn't think about it at the time. (laughs) Oh, those people. Uh, Yeah. But he, he, he'll never, you know, he'll, I'll never hear the end of it, by the way, that he sort of, uh, he was the. The, the the person who came up with the title. Okay, oh, yeah. it, it was a great yeah. partner move, but it was. <laughs> you're, but you are the one who was fucked at forty. Yes, completely. Well, I was actually fucked at forty two, but I figured fucked at forty sounded better than fucked at forty two. <laughs> Maybe um, you're starting to get fucked at forty yeah, by forty, exactly. and then forty two, you're really in your your fucked fuckedness. Totally. <laughs> I feel like uh, we should write a, a new book every decade. It's like fucked at fifty, fucked at sixty. And then eventually you're, you're Screwed just at 60. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, I like that. Could you, I, I don't know about you, Whitney, but I loved the prologue of this book. It just like yes. sucked me in and helped me understand what was at stake. Tova, would you read it for us, please, from the prologue sure. of Fucked at 40? How many times I'll can I say it. Fucked at 40 during <laughs> this podcast? Uh, okay, so um, you're probably wondering how I got here. 12 months ago, I lost my mind. I woke up one morning and felt like I was about to explode. It was as if my blood was boiling and I couldn't cool it down. I was bored, angry, tired, sad, empty, and I felt all alone. My life on the outside looked perfect. I had nothing to complain about. I had a good job, a husband who wasn't shagging his assistant, three children who, apart from being the occasional assholes, were pretty good kids, a house, a dog, and everything else we are told as little girls we should aspire to. But on the inside, I was restless. I was sick of having the same dull conversations about meal plans and the kids' afternoon after-school activities. I was frustrated with having the same married sex I'd been having for the past eight years or no sex at all. I didn't want to be looked at as a mom, as just a mom. I wanted to be desired to take someone's breath away and make them go crazy for me. I didn't want to live by some label that didn't define me. I didn't want to dress like a mom, drive a mom car, have a mom haircut, or be so-and-so's mom on someone's phone. I wanted to be me. Mm. (laughs) Uh. Wow. Yeah. It's like, oh God, reading it now. I'm not, I've never, I, I actually, I, I, did I blush? I feel like I blushed a little bit. You did not blush. You did not stumble. Uh, of, you did not stammer. You just stood in that truth and told us what got yeah. you to write the book. And that's Aww. what's so cool about it is you're so open about like kids being assholes 
and like having the same marriage sex and all of these other areas that so many people are too afraid to talk about or too afraid to admit because maybe it makes them look a certain way or people are going to judge them or their life isn't perfect. And it's, you're such a badass. Oh, (laughs) I think I've been lucky though. Um, I don't know how, but, uh, just, uh, uh, I don't know, coming out with stuff that I have said over the years. And it did start from a little blog and things I was talking about motherhood, the early stages, that fog, the fog where you just don't see anything apart from fog. Um, and I, you're exhausted, right? Like you don't energy for anything. Like people listening who don't have children, this woman (laughs) is telling, telling it like it is. I mean, you lose yourself if you're not careful. You You know, it's, it's like culturally mandated. It's like our culture decided that when you have children, you're supposed to lose yourself. Yeah. That's what I loved about your prologue as somebody who has had kids and lost myself and has dozens of friends and has interviewed women who have had kids and lost themselves. I love that you started there and you said that I wanted to be me. Mm -hmm. Who were you at that moment? Because I know that you lived in Israel, you were a lawyer, you moved to the UK. Can you just give us a little background before we talk about getting to the point of writing the book? Sure. Uh, so yeah, born in Israel, uh, trained and practiced law for a couple of years and then went through a divorce. Uh, and, uh, I was like, just kind of 30 at the time and thought I really need a fresh start, like just, you know, to get out of here. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a really hard breakup and I just needed to get away. And I thought I'll, I'll go to drama school because I always kind of had that side of me really wanted to write and had, you know, wanted to act, but didn't really come from the right family in the sense that it wasn't like the thing that anybody sort of did in my family. Um, so anyway, I said, that's it. It's now or never I'm 30. I'm just going to go for it. So came to London, did a year of drama school and I met Mike, uh, in that year, uh, and, uh, decided to stay. And, um, and then, you know, we got married real quick and had three kids in the space of two years. Um, yeah. And that acting career finished very quickly, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you can't go to castings or do anything when you got three kids under the age of two. Um, oh my God, so, so you had I, twins. I had twins and uh, I, I I worked in an office for a while. You know, it was like a, a really convenient job. It was up the road. I was able to fit it around the school run and I was quite content in that sense. And But there was a part of me that was just like, I really, there was that creative side of me that didn't have any outlet. And I think that together with the fact that my entire life, revolved around the kids, uh, in every sense of the way. And I, I love my kids and I, I loved, I love being a mom, but at the same time, you know, at some point it was a bit like, I can't, I, I, I looked around me and everybody looked really happy. And that also makes you feel like something's really wrong with me. Because if I'm thinking I like this, but I also want more then something's really wrong with me. Like, uh, this is not, you know, and this mom guilt and all of that. And that's kind of where I started the blog. Um, and the blog was very much about motherhood. And it was a very great place to rant and to vent about motherhood. But the big, big crisis and what prompted the book was actually when I turned 40. Uh, and I do believe that women go through something major. 
in their 40s. I do. I believe that it's the fuck it decade for women. I believe that we come out of our shells in a sense of like, this is me. Fuck you if you don't like it. I'm not, I'm, I'm done with being cute and I'm done with trying to please everyone. And this is my true real voice. And I, I've, I've talked to so many women who've had the same type of, you know, thing. And for me, what prompted really the whole process was a little something on my breast that gave me that kick up the ass that I needed to sort of go, life is short, live it now and to the best that you can, whatever that means. Um, It eventually ended up being nothing and I was very lucky and I was fine, uh, but it didn't stop the process. I, I just went on a massive journey, which I cover in the book, The Bucket List. Uh, and my mom life crisis, as I like to call it. <laughs> mom life crisis. Mom life crisis. Yeah. Are you ready, Whitney? Well, this is what I was just thinking. You know, like I feel as though, I, 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 no, I don't think I am. That's the <laughs> shortest, most simplest answer. But also I'm wondering from both of you guys, from someone who I don't have any kids, I'm not married, um, I'm 31. So what... Give me some advice from both of y'all who have been through these huge life experiences like marriage and kids and reinventing yourself because you guys are both very inspiring and also very successful and people who I both look up to. So I would love advice or, or any insights into what you learned. You go first. (laughs) Okay. All right. Oh, well, okay. First of all, Whitney's dog is behind her and sorry. It's so cute. And so when cute. my if my son sees this episode, he's going to just think that the whole episode is the best episode ever because of the dog. <laughs> but we know that it's the best episode ever because we get to dig into motherhood, which we really haven't done before. All right. So I just want to say, Tova, I love you saying that at 40, you kind of have no fucks left to give. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what happens when you're 50. Okay. <laughs> You'll realize that I mean this is this is anecdotal, but there there is so much anecdotal evidence that women in our culture, like in their 50s, are even more kind of often, often uh we're just even more done, right? So like you, Tova, I guess in my 40s, I sort of delayed childbearing. And I I think I, you know, I was pregnant up through age 43 and then you're like nursing and then you're taking people to nursery school and stuff. So it was a lot of that and the fog that Tova describes. And, um, I wasn't really free until my late forties of like the heavy lifting of motherhood. So I would just say my advice would be get as much help as you can, Whitney, if you decide to have kids. Um, just get as much support as you can from your friendship network, from your parents, if that's possible. I mean, you can elective kin who help you, but child rearing is an activity best undertaken uh, with like a big support network. Otherwise you will lose your freaking mind like I did. And then the other thing I want to say is in, in AA, they always say like, don't go into the mind of an alcoholic without a flashlight and a gun. <laughs> just don't go into the mind of a mom who has li- really little children without a flashlight and a gun. It's a dark place, right? Tova? Like 
I had so many dark <clears throat> thoughts when my kids were little and I was like, I'm supposed to be loving this. Nursery school is supposed to be the best sweetest experience. And then like getting into nursery school was like a blood sport competition. And there were like all these mean girl moms and there were all these stressors. Is my child playing the right way? Um, is my child, um, you know, getting play dates? Am I enhancing my child's life through it? Wow. By the time my kids were in school full-time, I was so, so tired. So Whitney, just like have all your friends around you, have your whole mommy bubble. That's what That's I have such to say. good advice. But Tova, by I, the time I was done, when I was in my late forties and my kids were more independent, it was like I was shot out of a cannon. That's when I had a wow. huge yeah. best-selling book. That's when Amazing. I could focus again. Yeah. Oh, sleeping. I, right? I love that you get into sleep deprivation. <laughs> I, I was sleep deprived, Toba. I don't know about you, but my kids are six years apart. I was like sleep deprived for 10 wow. years. Yeah. Whitney, get ready for kids coming in and being like, I have a cold. And then they're mm. like up all night with you. Right. And, and what do you yeah. do? I mean, I guess you just have to take care of them, huh? Tova, take it away. But, but all I can say is when I got on the other side of that, I was like, OMG, I am literally reborn. I have free time. I can travel. Like, I don't have to go to a resort with the kids club. Oh, God. I know. The moment you don't have the, to have the kids club. So nice. Whitney, listen, at some point, I started sleeping with earplugs. At, like, they were a little bit older because my husband snores. So my excuse was that he snores, but in reality, it meant that when they woke up in the night, they, he, <laughs> I couldn't hear them. You're like, I and can't I hear you. With those earplugs. You're a gangster. That is so clever. <laughs> my Wait, why didn't I think plugs? of that? Yeah. I, I sleep with earplugs and an iPad. <laughs> Don't come to me. It's like, no, nope, that's it. I'm done. And they know to that's wake him. <laughs> I think that's such good advice though. Like the get, like have help, get help, all the help that you can. Like there's no shame. I know there's like so many, uh, so many uh, reasons why moms feel guilt. And even the help is like, there's so much guilt, you know, paid help, friends help, family help, just get all the help. If people ask you, can they help? Just hand them the baby and go, yes, help, 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 help. Um, I love that. Like, that's totally true. And in terms of relationships, because, you know, part of what I talked about in the book and also on my platforms is the whole impact I think children have on relationships, which I also don't think is, is kind of talked about a lot. Like people, people joke about, uh, kids, what sex, that type of thing, but it's way deeper. You know, I think that's kind of, do you know what I mean? Like it's way deeper. So I remember when uh, we had our first, um, I was so scared of sort of having Mike do things by himself with the baby. I don't know if you felt that way or not, but I was like, the initial instinct was to, I'm going to do this, even though I had no experience with babies. Like he, I did not have more experience than he did at all, objectively, but like something in me just went, I need to do everything and not let him sort of get involved in a, in a way that he, you know, well, and then I realized later that he totally could, uh, but that established a really, um, uneven dynamic between us, uh, which I think, uh, happens in a lot of relationships. So that's something to maybe go into and think about in advance as well. Um, 
I don't know if that makes sense at all, what I'm saying. It makes so much sense. Like that script is so powerful that you're the mom. So naturally, you're the primary caretaker. But um, I have a lot of hope about people Whitney's age and women Whit's age, because I don't think they're going to stand for that. I don't know, Whitney. I just feel like your generation will expect more. And I just want to quickly interject that there are like studies of we're talking about heterosexual couples right now, but um, this would apply to queer couples as well. There are studies that when men, uh, there was this great study that I think it was that when men changed something like only like four or five diapers, right? They connected with the baby in that way physically. It began to alter their hormonal profile. So wow. men, men are physiologically, uh, neurochemically primed uh, for caretaking but like Tova and I just kept doing it ourselves because we felt we were supposed mm. to do it ourselves. And so our husbands maybe became less primed for it. Yeah. But, but I feel like right. my husband had two kids before he and I started having kids. Mm. So it, that was a more relaxing thing for me, even though I had this the script in my head. Like he did know a lot about babies. So that was good. But I can see how people get into that script that you were stuck in, Tova. And I don't know, Whitney, I feel like your generation of women is more woke about this. And I hope it doesn't happen to you guys. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. You know, I really don't. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> even within my own group and community, you know, a lot of people here in Austin we don't have kids. You know, I think most people are like pushing that off. And I'm in the place where I don't know. I'm not a hell yes on babies and I'm not a hell no. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that means means for me. I don't know. But I do know when I do have kids, the father will be helping all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I will also have help. <laughs> I need all of that. Because I just know myself and I'm like, I know me. I need all of the help in the entire world. And my, some of my friends aren't having babies. I'm like, perfect. Totally take care of my kid all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I I just want to say child-free can be a great option too. (laughs) Yeah. I go back and forth on it. I, I remember when my eldest, uh, when she was only four months old, uh, we I had a show. I, I did a show in Edinburgh. Um, and uh, uh, Mike and I went up for like the entire month for the festival. And uh, I had to leave every day to go and perform, right, to do the show. And I, uh, you know, I had to be there at a certain time. I don't know, it was 5, 5.30, whatever. First night, I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill her. Like, this is awful. Maybe I shouldn't go. Like, crazy, okay? And um I mean, it's so real in the moment. It's not really crazy, like, because you're hormonal and you're still breastfeeding and you're all, you're all over the place, right? And that's very real. Uh, so I, I go and then I rush back after the show and I walk in. I'm like, where is she? Where is she? And she's like happily in bed asleep. Not a problem. Like he, fe- he fed her. He did the bath. He did everything. She was asleep. And I remember the sort of bells going out off in my head, like going, oh my God. And then the next day I went out a bit earlier and the next day I went out a bit earlier. And then by the end, by the end of the run, I was like leaving, you know, around lunch. I was like, isn't your show at seven? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Shows at seven, needs a (laughs) pregame. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, so that was, that was great for us that we had that experience so early on, because if we hadn't, then I, but you know, but I still, it still didn't change a lot in my mind for other things, you know, when, when the twins were born and all of that, but it was a really, really, um, 
it was a really great experience to have that early on, you know, uh, to yeah. just like throw, yeah, throw him in the deep end. It's fine. It's he's, uh, he's their father. It's fine. It's fine. You know? I mean, he's their primary yeah. parent too. Yeah. Like they have two yeah. primary parents and, um, some people might be in a family where they have three, the baby has three primary mm-hmm. parents, but, um, I think it's so great that you got that early on. And I just want to say, it's no coincidence. I don't think that you and I had spouses who were like 100% there. And then we have careers that like gave us some satisfaction, but like, do you think that your husband helping out played a role in your career? Because you're just you're a superstar. And I wonder if that would have happened without a spouse just there pitching in. Wow. You know, I have so many uh, thoughts about that uh, beyond the sort of um, mother and career women, just like even being uh, this woman that goes on the internet and talks about masturbation and, and, uh, you know, and open marriages or whatever it is that I talk about. And I do think that I almost, oh, this is like so sex. Our world is so sexist. And it's almost like it, I get away with it because I'm married in a way. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if I was, a, if I, I'm a divorcee originally, right. And, and then remarried. Right. And I live in a suburbs with a lovely man and I have the, you know, three kids and a dog and all of that type of thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, what if I was a, a single mom or what if I never remarried and had, uh, you know, a few kids, then this was the way of life, what I believed in. And could I really talk about it that openly mm. on the internet? Like, could, could I, would I, would the response be totally different? Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, do, do you yeah. get where I'm going with this? Husbands yeah. provide deep cover. Yeah. Like I will and say to my a, husband, yeah, you need to be, you need to be in this meeting because there needs to be a dick in the room. And isn't that awful? Right. Like I've had so many moments like that where, I mean, you know, with stupid things like buying a car and getting, you know, getting asked, would you like to talk your husband to your husband about it? And I'm like, uh, no, you know, it's fine. Like we, we discussed it before. Like, I know what I'm getting. Plus the car was for me. So like, you know, <laughs> and then he goes on, they go on and on about it. Yeah. But would you like to talk to your husband? And I came home to Mike and I was really upset. I said to him, has anybody ever asked you that? Like, has anybody ever sort of really gone on and on and on about how you need to maybe discuss a purchase with your wife? Like, I just don't understand where that comes from. Um, well, I do. So there's that. Um, That's big. But, but sometimes I have insisted him not being there because I actually think, I no, like, fuck no, you know? Uh, and when the book came out, um, certain aspects of the book uh, got people very interested. And of course they were, very interested in talking with Mike. And I thought, why? But don't you want to hear a woman's perspective? Aren't you interested in hearing what the woman has to say? Like, Mm -hmm. why are we immediately bringing the guy into the conversation? Like he has no interest because it's not, it's not his book. You know, he supports me, but it's like, you write it. Yeah. You tell your story, like, tell it, uh, you know, 100% all good, but it's not my story to tell. Do do you know what I mean? And um, so there were times that I sort of went, no, like I I don't need him to be in the room. Like, yeah, it's not relevant to to why I'm doing this, why I'm talking about this. Like, no, (laughs) I want to get in. I don't know about you, Whitney. I'm 
I'm like champing at the bit to get into the open marriage piece and like yes, how same. this happened. Like you have twins, you have uh, another, a singleton, you have three little kids, you're working in, you've had this background in law, you're living in London, you work in an office down the road, things are okay. Your, your husband sounds like he's like a participating nice husband who's a partner and you one day you said one day you woke up and you felt like you'd lost your mind Mm -hmm. and you were tired among other things you wanted to find yourself and part Mm -hmm. of this was about your sexuality can you tell us about this because Whitney and I are just sex obsessed yeah and we talk about this all the time like we love other ways to relate to each other and other types of relationship constructs. Sure. I mean, you know, the whole, like, it's sort of like different periods, but the time just before that was so a bit after the office, the the blog was already going strong and I had quit the job. This became like my main business. And, um, and like you say, life was ticking along and I was okay. Like things were okay. You know, they weren't bad or anything like that. They were okay. Uh, and then I had my health scare. And when I went to get like my mammogram done, uh, was because I felt something, I wasn't sure what it was, went in, got like a call later on that day. And they said, well, actually we have found something you have to come back in. And then I, I came back in and did the other mammogram. And there was like a lot of back and forth conversations. Uh, uh, you do need a biopsy. There's no biopsy, like all of that. So there was a, a, a sort of like a few week period of me going, oh my God, like, could this be breast cancer now? What does that mean? Like, you know, all the thoughts that you get, but the, I say this in the book, the, the, all of that kind of like I, I, you would have expected to think or to feel, but the one other thing that I didn't expect was then to go, I really want to bungee jump, which is the most ridiculous thought you could possibly have in such a moment. Right. Um, (laughs) no, (laughs) But to me, it was like the beginning and it was that started the process of me going, right, you know what? Oh my God, uh, life is, is fragile. Like, and, and it's so funny because we know it, you know it, but we forget, you know? So I realized that I forgot. I realized that I was on hold, that it was okay, but not, but on hold. And I thought, why have I wait? Why do people say like, wait till the kids are older, out of the house, and then you get your life back? And I was like, no, like I want to, I want to live it right now. Um, and I did the whole bucket list and all of that. Uh, and I sort of started thinking about different aspects in my life where I had felt that I had lost myself. And one okay, major part of it. Can you tell us the bucket list and go? But keep going. But I want to get to the bucket list. Okay. So the first thing was the bungee jump. And it was uh, significant to me. A lot of people have said to me, I'd never do that, but it could be anything, I suppose. For me, I used to, I did skydiving. I used to snowboard. Like I was, I, I know that you're into this with me, right? Like I, I totally I, am. You know, I'm like, I yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I see your Instagram and I go, yes. And now I'm a bit like, I'm just scared, but like, yes, you know. I'll do it for you now. Yeah, do it for, I live through you. Um, (laughs) And I just thought, where is that adventurous, um, you know, girl? Like, where, where is she gone? You know, like I, that it, I, nothing in my life reflects anymore that side of my personality. So the bungee jump came from a place of just wanted to capture that, like to get, to take that back. Uh, And then we did, 
I sort of talked a lot about the mom look and we had like, I did a whole makeover. So I dyed my hair pink and then I cut it like, and I, you know, I did, took a friend and she sort of like restyled my whole wardrobe. So we had like a makeover. Then I did, I took up pole dancing. Pole dancing became such a major thing for me. And it's, again, sounds ridiculous, but in the no, quest it doesn't. to, in the quest to find my own sexuality, that had a lot to do with not necessarily sex, but when I think about sexuality for me, it really has to do with a connection to my own body. Mm -hmm. And through motherhood, I felt like I really lost control over my own body Mm -hmm. because I think for women, we're kind of used to it from an early age, the sort of like prodding, poking, uh, you know, uh, you go to your gynecologist, you feel slightly, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like you have, you give your body away. And when you're a mom, it's even more so, you know, you've got your breastfeeding and they're constantly touching you. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, you're chemically altered when you're a mom. Completely. And I lost, I honestly felt like I didn't, this body just didn't belong to me anymore. I just didn't feel a connection to it. Plus it changed so much. So, you know, I did two C-sections, massive C-section scar and shelf. It's not the body I remember having. And this is not a vanity thing at all, even though for those who have an issue with what it looks like aesthetically, that's completely valid, but that's not where it came for. For me, it was more about I'm touching this section of my body and it doesn't even have, I don't feel it because it's numb. Mm -hmm. How can you feel attached to a part of your area that you can't even feel? You know, it was, there was a lot of that. And um, the pole dancing completely changed it for me because it was about moving my body and it was about gaining this amazing, um, how do you say, appreciation towards my body because I was able to do things that I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do. I'm not like an overly fit person. I like, I'm active, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself super fit, you know, and I was able to climb the pole and do these things and whatever and hump the floor. And I've never been so <laughs> proud in my life. You know? Yes. <laughs> that is a big achievement. It reminds right? me of like, yeah. I love pole dancing too. It's so much fun and you have to yeah. be strong to do it like shockingly strong to do it. It's amazing. And I think, I think it's such a beautiful art. And the way that you were talking about being connected to your body reminds me of, I just started doing like sensual movement in the Mm -hmm. mornings, which is basically just dancing and like in front of the mirror. And it's just for me, like I'm solo by myself, put on a great song that makes me feel good. And it allows me to connect sensually with my, with my own body. So I don't lose that, that connection. That's amazing. What a great way to start the day. Yeah. connecting with your body. Mm-hmm. And it, That's it amazing. feels good. You get energy. Like, I feel like it just puts you in the, at least for me, it puts me in a great mindset. And I just only started doing this and I've known about it for so long, but then finally, finally I was like, you know what? I think now's the time. Wait, so you're saying like you, you heard about it. So is it like a, is it a course or like a, is it's, is guided or you just do it? No, it's not feel? a course or anything, but they just call it sensual movement. And so it's just moving your, your body in a very flowy, could be sexual way, not necessarily to, to masturbate or anything, but more so just looking at your body with appreciation and yeah. feeling really beautiful. And maybe you do hump the floor and maybe you do the little <laughs> twerk in the mirror or something, you know, it's just like connecting to that, to your sexuality. Yeah. Good yeah. morning. Good morning. Good. Awesome body. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Watch out world. Watch out. <laughs> 
That's a good way to start. So the pole dancing, I like how you're connecting the pole dancing, as Whitney said, to like being connected. And you're saying you had, you literally like had the scar tissue from childbirth and you felt like you, you weren't really part, your body wasn't integrated. No, and no. pole and dancing I, helped you get it back. Totally. And, I, I think it did. I think, um, it was that kind of movement and I don't, I don't know. Um, I wish I could say that I kind of knew that that's what it would do. Uh, to be honest, it started half as a joke <laughs> because I thought, let's do something fun. What can we do? Pole dancing. But, but this bucket it, list is so great. Like Whitney, can you please take me shopping and redo yeah. my entire wardrobe? And no, you have an amazing wardrobe. <laughs> I have seen it. Can you take okay. me shopping? <laughs> okay, but, but, but I love, I want, I want this bucket list things. Okay. Bungee jumping. You changed your hair. You changed your look, your clothes and stuff. It sounds like you spent girlfriendy time. You yeah, did loads. pole dancing. What else was on this bucket list? I'm so into this bucket list. So we went to Ibiza with girlfriends. It was like a oh proper uh, girl trip. Uh, four nights in Ibiza, like chaos, brilliant, so much fun, much so needed. Fun. <gasps> uh, to, forever to convince them to go. And then once they went, they were like, you know, kids who? No idea. Like, great. <laughs> uh, and, we, and we've done it several times since. So it really opened the door for like this new thing of it's okay to actually go on a weekend or a week away without the kids. And we've done that a few times since, well, before COVID, I mean. And um what else did I do? I did a nude photo, photo shoot. So that's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, I did that. Um, and then I traveled all the way to Nepal with my brother and did the Everest Base Camp trek, which I, I, did, I did 20 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, didn't finish and thought to myself, oh, what a missed opportunity. Like, I'm never going to get to do this again. And it's been that thing, you know, that one thing that yep. you sort of regret not doing when you were younger. And I thought, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Just going to do it. So we did it. Um, and obviously writing the book was on the list and doing a one woman show, which, uh, <sighs> you know, petrified me like, uh, cause I hadn't done live on stage for a long time for many years. And I thought I want to, I want to like, get out there and do it. So, um, I did that and I went on tour with the book last year, exactly a year ago. Uh, and that was crazy fun. You know, I think, uh, doing things that scare you just generally is so, is so rewarding. Like, uh, before I went to Nepal, I was very concerned. I was scared because I was scared. I'm scared of flights. I was like, Oh God, my kids, what's going to happen? And somebody said to me, uh, um, you know, like a quote of someone who said, uh, you know, the best things in life are beyond fear. And I really do think that's mm. true, you know? Um, so it was very rewarding. Um, but to go back to your question about the open marriage thing, yes. uh, that, that wasn't on the bucket list, uh, but it was definitely, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't planning like, on open that marriage. Yeah. Cause I did loads of other things. I went to a nude spa. Um, I went with some friends to one of the killing kittens parties. Uh, and yeah. Sort of, oh, yeah. Yeah. Explore that. So those were not on the bucket list, but they happened around the same time because a lot of doors got open. I started thinking about sexuality and, and monogamy, what that meant. 
And had I actually really chosen it or was that just something I, I sort of assumed is what we do, like, you know, and not really, oh, did I ever really question this and realize, no, I actually have never questioned it. So then I started uh, talking to people who know more about it than I do and live other types of relationships and are very happy. And I, I was very interested to hear about it. And, um, and then I started a conversation with Mike and I'm very happy because I think like the timing was so right. Um, I think if I had, well, I probably couldn't have brought it up like a few years earlier. Cause I don't think we were in a good place at that time for me to bring up questions about monogamy and, and, and that type of thing. But where we were at that point was a really open, great place. And, um, and yeah, and we sort of, you know, I brought it up. Do we, do we think this is the best, the only way there are other options. There's people doing this and people doing that. And we researched it together and we watched some videos and I read some books and I talked to some people and we kind of made a decision together. Like, okay, well, you know, he was like, I, this isn't something that necessarily I would have been interested in doing, but I completely understand where you're coming from. It doesn't intimidate me. Um, I think as long as we're totally honest and we keep checking in on each other and we can definitely explore it. And, and that's kind of like what we decided to do. And that's when the whole killing kittens and nude spots mm-hmm. was like me going, right, I am going to explore this, you know? And talking um, about yeah. fear though, too. I mean, that that is getting yeah. into fear. It's super scary. Yeah. I was in an open really polyamorous relationship for six years or something. So and it was scary as hell. Having those conversations, really being open and honest with your partner is, is terrifying at times. But there was some, it, it's amazing how, how much freedom you can feel in those moments when you push through and have that courageous, th- those courageous talks with one another. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that for us, it really, in a so uh, sort of very ironic, bizarre way, brought us so much closer because mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything I can't tell Mike. Like I, that proved to me that no matter what I told him, we were a team. Yep. Like we were in it together, no matter what. And we were going to figure it out. Like no matter what. Allies. Yeah. And you know, people, a lot of the time ask me, how would you have felt if it was him almost like trying to trip me, trip me up, like trip me up. And, and the thing is forget about the tripping. Uh, the truth is, and this is my honest truth. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have felt if it was the other way around, because that's not what happened. So I don't yeah, know. Like who cares? Uh, you were the one who wanted to open the marriage and you asked to yeah. do that. <laughs> like, yeah. What? How, how long? And, and, those people are bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just trying to like poke holes in it. Like, mm, I'm going to find out a way how this isn't going to work. Yeah. Whatever. How long ago was that conversation? Yeah. How old were the kids and how long no, so have you that been was, married? So that's not, that's, it's like not that uh, long ago at all. Uh, the initial conversation was probably around two years ago. I don't remember, give or take. Um, and I always say, because uh, people are so interested in the topic. I'm I'm not an expert, like at all, you know, like not even one bit. Um I'm more interested in having a conversation about, uh, it's funny because women normally ask me, uh, the number one question that I get asked from women actually is, how did you start the conversation? Mm -hmm. Because apparently there's a lot of people curious out there that would like to just at least even have the conversation. Like even if you don't go through with it, you don't do anything, you just have a conversation. 
so many people can't even have the conversation. Right. Uh, to not be able to have a conversation yeah. about what you want to do with your own body. Yeah. I love that and not you just, started it. Not just body, but just, you know, how you feel about relationships in general. And also, I think it's important to remember that it's an ongoing conversation and that things constantly change. So, you know, initially, if one thing seems that, oh, this is what I want or this is what I think, and then you go, mm, actually, no, try that. It's not what yeah. I want. I don't think it's what I want. So what about something else? Um, so one of the things I remember earlier on, we talked about, I've mentioned this in the book, was about, you know, whether or not it was just going to be a physical thing or are we looking for like a actual polyamorous, like more of a connection and, and a relationship with other people. Uh, and initially I kind of thought, I don't, oh yeah, maybe not so much. But then I asked myself another question. I thought, can I, do I believe that you can potentially love more than one person? And my answer to myself was yes, I do believe that. Um, and I'm not, I haven't, that has never been put to the test, but I'm just saying it's, it was okay to admit that, you know, mm-hmm. for other people, potentially that's like, oh my God, no, 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 like scares the shit out of them. And I totally get that. And I totally respect that, but it didn't scare me, you know, and more importantly, it didn't scare him, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, So, yeah, Um, you you said you were in a polyamorous relationship for six years. That's not your current relationship, though. A a previous one? A previous previous one. Yeah, we split up um, officially like last May. Right. We were monogamous for two years and then. Um, yeah. So for about six, seven, eight, we were, uh, open and in polyamorous, but I came from always being jealous, always being very, um, monogamous, but yet I would cheat on people. And so like, I had all of the way that I did relationships was really screwed. Like it was just, I had my own crap happening. And I really think that the thing that got me out of that and helped me understand why I was doing what I was doing was going through a polyamorous relationship because mm-hmm. as you know, you have to talk about everything and you have to question yeah. everything and you have to understand why is it that you want to have this other relationship? What What is it about them that's bringing out a certain aspect of myself that maybe it's not coming out of my partnership now or, or all of these things? And it really allowed me to get to know myself in such an awesome yeah. way. And I'm still learning for sure, without a doubt, but that was such a growth period for me. And I'm really happy that I went through it. That was my whole 20s was 22 wow. to 30. I was in that time. So now I'm in, I'm 31 now and, um, figuring out what monogamy is and how that looks like and what type of relationship feels really good, all kinds of stuff. I love mm-hmm. the point that doing this, you know, for example, being in an open relationship, I love that it really makes you work on your stuff, right? That, you have to think about what was my childhood like? What were the relationships that I saw there? How am, how have I been holding myself back in my life by just repeating old patterns? I love, as you said, Whitney, like the growth stories um, about people opening. Not that opening is better or worse. No. But I, I love the growth stories that you hear when you read about it and how people say, oh my God, like, boy, did we have to learn how to communicate? Oh, yeah. Was yep. that true for you and Mike, Tova? Yeah. I, like I said, I think, uh, you know, once you have those conversations, there really is nothing else that's off limits. I don't think I heard a lot of people, uh, 
you know, I mean, even before I probably would have said, Mike, he's my best friend. I tell him everything, but that was in a way not accurate because there were certain things I wasn't saying to him, you know, to be able to say to him, Hey, I'm, I think I'm going through some sort of a midlife crisis at the time is what I felt. And in that, in that, at the moment, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I want to just have like one partner. Is that crazy? Like, I don't know, but that's how I feel. And to be able to say that to somebody and then have, a, a, you know, take it from there and start a whole conversation, like, I think is not an easy thing to do. And I think for a lot of people, it's probably a conversation they don't have. And I know this, by the way, firsthand, because I talk, talk to my girlfriends about it. And, you know, most of them said to me, they had the same thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk in the book, uh, jokingly about the gardener and his leaf blower, you know, in the, in the suburbs, <laughs> sort of like, you know, stalking. <laughs> this gardener, you know, with the buggy with the kids. Um, but it's funny how most of my friends had this sort of fantasy about somebody or someone or whatever. And it was so great to be able to, you know, to have that conversation with my husband. It sounds crazy. I know, but, um, but I knew it had nothing to do with him. Like it just did not have to do with him. And I love what you said with me about like, um, how you explore different sides of your personality through relationships. Cause we mm-hmm. are, we do explore certain and not just sexual relationships or, or romantic relationships, just relationships in, in general. So again, it doesn't even have to be like a, 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 a romantic thing. It's like you have different friends and you do different things with different friends. You know, you've got your friends that you, you know, that you have this or that in common and friends you have this and it's, it's, it's more, do you know what I mean? And by yes. the way, the, the word more, ah, uh, the word more to be able to say to people without apologizing. Yeah, I have it great, but I want more and not, uh, have them. Well, they will, but just not care if they judge you for that, because we are brought up, especially as women to be told that, you know, be happy with what you've got. You've got the Ooh. husband, you've got the good job. You've got the kids. How dare you want more? You're selfish. Uh, you know, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't want more. And to just be able to say that this does not take away from how appreciate, how much I know that I am lucky and that I am blessed does not take away from that at all. But it is okay to say that when you want more, like it's okay. Um, That's huge. So that it is so big to feel entitled, to feel entitled, a healthy sense of entitlement about having um, the sex life and the relationships that you want to have is, I feel like you're just setting such a great example. Maybe some women will say, no, you know what? Monogamy is my cozy fun container, but I want to haul pass. Or maybe they'll just say, <laughs> I just want to think about it. Or maybe women will read fucked at 40 and think, you know what? I'm, I'm want to ask for more. I'm, and mm. I just, I love that you, uh, shared that stuff. I also love that the part of your girlfriends just all coming to you and saying, guess what? Like top yeah. secret, don't tell anyone. But like, <laughs> I've also thought this because yeah. I have looked for so long at the data about how women, it's women in the aggregate who uh, get sexually restless in a long-term committed relationship before men yeah. do. And you're you're just putting it out there and helping to normalize that data that people have such a hard time wrapping their mind around because we've been taught the opposite. But when you tell women, they're like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That's what yeah. I, that's what blew my mind, you know, uh, the show more so than the book, because the show, I wrote the show after the book had sort of like gone to the press. Right. But, uh, I think the show was taking the book like that step forward in a sense that I talked exactly about that, about midlife crisis. What a fucking double standard. Like, honestly, I had no idea I was even going through a midlife crisis because who talks about that? And yes, part of going through a midlife crisis is having, it's so obvious when you think about it, that awakening of your sexuality and libido, because you're out of the fog, you're less hormonal. Because listen, I, we've been, I mean, most women are hormonal and on like hormones, some sort of hormones since the age of 16. So you start with your birth control uh, and that's hormones. And then, you know, I had uh, fertility treatment, so that's hormones. And then you've got your hormones from breastfeeding and la, la, la. And I think like somewhere in the forties, in that age area, your kids are old, like something changes and some balance happens and you suddenly go, oh God, I'm back. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm not, I'm not breastfeeding. I'm not on oral birth control, oral contraceptives. I'm not in perimenopause yet. Yeah. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of sounds like you're like reclaiming yourself. You're fucking your way through perimenopause. You're not even going to notice it. You are fucking your way through perimenopause and like like badassing every day. It's a small window of opportunity. Um, (laughs) You're uh, not even going to feel that bullshit developmental phase. (laughs) But I think like that was, that was what it was. Um, The sort of, um, you know, why are we not having these conversations? I don't, I, you know, why I Googled it and I got some such, it's so hard to find uh, honest, honest data about it, like real firsthand kind of experience, you know? And, and then if you do find it, it's very much, uh, how do you say, um, um, titled under the sort of like, uh, you know, cougary or sort of like fun, like, you know, uh, older woman, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not honest. It's not just like what it really is. And that's when mm-hmm. the conversations with the girlfriends happened. And I realized, uh, oh God, they're all feeling that, you know, all my friends are a bit hornier than what they were eight years ago. And all of them are sort of fantasizing about, you know, the, the gardener or whoever it is. And <laughs> all of them are kind of going, oh God, like, you know, all of that. And it's actually really, really normal, but w- nobody's talking about it. It's like you to expect me, yeah. the guys. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say to me, that's one of the great things about Fucked at 40 and your show. You're just like the sheer number of people of uh, who identify as women who are going to watch your show or read your book and just say, I'm not broken. Yeah. Women, yeah. right? Because men, men will be like, oh yeah, I want a cat around. Well, like I'm just a guy being a guy, but you're helping women say, yeah, I want a cat around. I'm just a woman being a normal woman. Like this is one of the things in our sh- sexual repertoire. Like, yeah. Monogamy is a, a you tight know, fit for us in the aggregate. Yeah. Because even, even libido, even libido like fluctuates and, you know, it changes throughout life and you might have like a, a certain libido base, you know, but it does change throughout life. Uh, I've definitely felt that, um, you know, I think motherhood had a massive impact on my libido and, you know, I'm, I'm quite a sexual person, but I had like a few years of just like, nah, it was just the last thing on my mind. And I think that again, in, in your forties for a lot of women, there's a spike again, um, in libido, uh, 
which, yeah, which doesn't really get enough recognition and, and, you know, and of course, if it does, then like I said, you're either, it's either a fetish thing or, or, or you're a whore or God knows what else, you know? Um, well, thanks for normalizing it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you both for normalizing it because you're doing, (laughs) you're doing that as well. Wednesday, if there's one thing that I can say to our listeners, I'm sure most people have read Wednesday's book already, but read fucked at 40 and read untrue, like at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like the personal juicy version from Toba (laughs) and then some science from me, but maybe and some juice and a little juice. You know, and the other thing I was thinking about the three of us being on this podcast together is there are, it's like a trifecta approach to helping women feel normal about their sexuality through a one woman show, through an amazing uh, book that Tova wrote, um, through sharing science. And then we need more relationship coaches like you, Whitney, who are just open to the various containers that people might want to have their relationships in and how, as Tova said, they change over time. Oh my God, you can assign fucked at 40 to your clients, Whitney. Yeah, no question. Best best homework ever. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I'll do my homework. Oh, sorry, busy doing my homework. (laughs) Don't bother me. (laughs) So true. It's so true. I I think it's, it's so much fun to speak to uh, people like you, Tova, because it's so, it gives me hope. It really gives me hope for relationships and humanity as a whole, because people are out there sharing yeah. their story and supporting each other and being accepting of so many different ways to live your life. That makes mm-hmm. me very excited because I feel like in our times today, it's really easy to be, live in a polarizing spot and just point fingers at each other because we don't, we don't, we aren't accepting of how people choose to live. And the way that you share your message, both of you guys, and I think what we do with this podcast is try to do that same thing. So it makes me very happy and, and warms my heart. It's- I want to, I, I agree. And Tova, I just want to say, I want to thank you for the book, mm-hmm. just for the contribution you made to the literature <laughs> on motherhood and the contribution that you've made to the, um, to the literature on women and sexuality. Like it's, it's, big and that and that one of your contributions is through a one woman show is so big and accessible i just love it yeah. uh, thank you you guys are the nicest i swear to god <laughs> so no we're not lovely. no we're not we just not always not we just speak always. the okay. truth okay. we're just being honest okay <laughs> we're just discerning uh, uh, in our niceness toba I'm curious, you know, this point about your girlfriends all coming to you. I know we have to close, although like I could yammer about this endlessly. I'm sure Whitney could too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm thinking about your girlfriends and the example you provided to them and then all the people who identify as women listening, reading your book. I know it's tricky to say what's your advice, but for a woman who's saying, wow, I'm just feeling stuck and it has something to do with sex and it has something to do with motherhood. What, what are your, what's your big recommendation? Oh God. Um, I guess it's, uh, yeah, I guess it's, I, I mean, oh God, I don't, I do, I really don't know normally give advice cause I don't know. Um, I think, um, you know, for me, what it was, it was about peeling those layers, you know, they're not going to be the same for everybody. Maybe the sexuality is not a thing for somebody else. And it's, it's another aspect of them. Um, but 
you know, people throw the word authenticity in the air now, like it's uh, some sort of, uh, it's like the the word of the moment, you know, uh, but I think uh, beyond it being a trend to just use as, like as a word, it really was about just just becoming more authentic, not towards the world, but just within myself of just peeling those layers and allowing myself to accept even the parts of me that I thought were ugly or the parts of me that I thought were not uh, perfect or were not good or whatever they were and just accepting them as part of me. And in, in everything, in my relationship, I'm not the perfect uh, partner in my motherhood. I'm not the perfect mom and in everything, you know, and just going, yeah, but that's, that's what I am. (laughs) So there you go, you know? Um, so I would say that, um, peel those layers, peel those layers, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Um, Tova, where can people find you? Because just tell them because your Instagram is on fire. You want to laugh? Just tell them and learn all of this. Uh, So Instagram, Instagram is a good place. Tova underscore Lee. And if you want the book, uh, it's Amazon worldwide. And actually the paperback has just come out, which has Congratulations. an extra. Thank you. This is the new cover. Uh, oh, it has, hold it up for us. Yay. <gasps> I love it. It the has red an extra. Dress, the red dress, you whore. Yeah, it's, she's smashing the white picket fence. Can you tell? Uh, <laughs> yes, she has. Oh my God, it's so good. She has a sledgehammer and she's sledgehammering the white picket fence. Yeah. And it has an extra chapter in it, actually. So if uh, people oh. haven't bought the book, this is a good this is a good version to get now because it has an extra okay. chapter about lockdown, life in lockdown. Oh, that's so important. We didn't get to it. Clearly, you have to come back. Yes. <laughs> I'd love that. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Tova. This has been awesome. Thank it, you so much for having me. It really has been so great. Thank you for your writing. Thanks for your openness. Thanks for talking to us today. Pleasure. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.